Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. For the most part, if people are riled up about something, there's a reason why. Like you've offended that many people, or you've rubbed that many people the wrong way. So I decided that I was going to take it as a learning experience to really look at, you know, what I was doing, why I was doing it, um, and try to become a better person. And I think I have become a better person for it. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper podcast. My name is Olivia and I am a entrepreneur, brand builder. Um, and to the left of me is Lisa Brosser. Hi, I'm Lisa Brosser. I'm talking currently. I guess that's that's me. Um, and <laughs> my pathetic. current obsession is I just got a ton of stuff from Revolve. And uh, a lesson I learned is um, don't ask Olivia if it's a good idea to pay $60 for a plain white tank top because she will say, yes, it is a good idea if you're going to wear it all the time. And whether or not that's a true statement, I got it. (laughs) I was going to say, if you want to buy clothing, anyone who's listening, just ask me and I'll tell you it's a good idea. Or, and ask me and I'll actually um, speak speak through whatever you should <laughs> well, do. Well, okay, there's two sides to it. One is the reason why I said that was Revolve has just amazing quality everything. So you're going to get that white tank and yeah. be like, this is good. It fits me well. I'm going to wear this. Li- I know you. You're going to wear that all summer. If it was like... My a, only thing is it's white. And so I don't know if you that's going to... Ble- you're just going to bleach it. Yeah. But, and also I hate like seeing a bra. I think it'll be thick enough I hope because so. the other side is for me, I might not wear a white tank a lot. So I would get it from a store where it'd be like 10 bucks, yeah. but I know you and I know that like I would pay Pretty that for a black I one. Is, yeah. I would, so, you know, it's, it's fine. You have to weigh out the pros and cons. I did just tell you to not get Chanel Birkenstocks for $2,500. They're not Birkenstocks. They're Birkenstock flavor. No, no. <laughs> okay. Hold on. She wants them because it has the little Chanel buttons on it. And I understand that. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's like no, no, zero to ten. No, 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 no. Oh gosh, way too Here's much. Here's the thing. Too much. You're too much because oh, wow. you're mixing up my words. The Hold pointing. on. I do not wear Birkenstocks. Never will. You will not catch me dead in Birkenstocks. Do not put Birkenstocks on me when I die. I did just point straight at her face. She's done it three times. I'm sorry. I just I just don't like them for myself. They work for other people. I I don't hike and I think it's very inappropriate if I were to put them on. I would be an imposter. Okay. So I love I didn't say they're a dad sand stocks. They're just I, yellow. <laughs> yellow leather. I love leather Chanel a dad sandal I love bulky shoes everyone knows that you all can agree I wear a bulky shoe too I like how they look I'm just saying how else would you describe those they have straps on them I'm almost positive those they don't look anything like are do Birkenstocks even have velcro okay fine they're Chanel Tevas 
Okay, you're only saying that because I just showed no, you some because tea bags because be I was looking for a dupe. And so you're like, why don't you just get a dupe? And I'm like, honestly, because it's Chanel. But I did tell you I liked the Tevas too. Um, I did say I liked the Tevas. I was just trying to explain to the audience because this is not visual. So to them, I was trying to Dad explain sandals. what it. That's a perfect. I wouldn't even know what that meant, and I'm like in this space. bulky sandals. They, I don't think they look anything they like a Birkenstock. They have a strap with a Velcro. Tevas are closer. Okay, fine. Because all of a sudden you're offended over your twenty five hundred dollar dad oh, sandals. Okay. I was trying to tell you I will encourage you to buy whatever, but I will also encourage you to not spend a couple grand on Chanel Tevas. And I'm not going to. <laughs> I wasn't even asking your advice on whether I should buy them or not. You looked at me and said, "Should I get these As Chanel a joke. sandals?" Oh my gosh. I'm Sorry. trying to buy a house. Am I really? <laughs> look how much Appar- we peaked. I know. Apparently, I'm supposed to just read your I, mind. You knew I was joking. <sighs> Sorry, guys. We just got back from therapy. We're good now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your current obsession? Um. Oh, I wanted to add a new sentence I want to bring back. Like, by the by. Or, oh, what was the other one we were supposed to bring up in an interview? Oh, a real son of a gun. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have one more. Um, it's not from very long ago, so it's better. And it was when girls would get really mad at each other and they would go, don't get it twisted. Ew, I, I want to bring that back. Mm, I thought you were going to say talk to the hand. That's good, too. OK, talk to the hand. Oh, they were giving me high five. And I was so <laughs> confused. I was like, sure. Um, don't get it. Twi- you could have said don't get it twisted. It's See? a high five. It's a high five. Now we have to learn how to use it in a sentence like we're taking a different it's usually language. when we're just angry at each other and you just like right then with the Tevas thing. Just do it with someone else. So she wants to be my best friend, but <laughs> she won't let me say my phrases. <laughs> um, OK, well, let's uh, let's get through this. Yeah. Our last intro was way too long. I know. So let's. Well, uh, get and then into... we decided we're going to just turn it into a podcast. So we cut out. Well, no, the other one. Oh. The other intro was like 15 minutes and I cut half of it. The Star Wars one. Listen to the episode okay. before this, everyone. Okay. Um, okay, let's get to the silver lining of the week. Okay, go ahead. Um, I spilled my coffee all over my new books. Uh, silver lining. My... F- yeah. Well, and my other one, which TikTok suggested me to buy. And so far, it's good. Um, and then luckily... You spill coffee a lot. (laughs) Her face. Excuse me? I like how you get so offended by the things that just aren't offensive at all. I just don't understand when I... Because when I got into the car last, maybe not a lot, you said, oh, don't look right there. There's all this coffee stuff. Oh, no. That's not like from spilling coffee. That's from like, you know, when your coffee's in the drink. Oh, and it like bubbles up. You take a turn. Oh, and it like rolls yeah. out. Okay. Because, you know, during a time of COVID, you can't like sit in a coffee shop. So I'll, you know, just take my coffee Wait, to go. You don't and have it's to still explain completely it. full. Okay. Don't get it twisted. It, it wasn't to meant to be offensive. So spilled my coffee. I still had half of it left. And it's not just like a black coffee. It was my vanilla latte. And so, but silver lining, um, they gave me a new coffee. So. Oh, they did? At Forge? Yeah. Oh, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, mine, to make it short and sweet, probably because I'll talk about it next time, uh, but just got back from Portland for my birthday. It was my birthday. I survived. The trip was interesting. Got stuck in an accident. Not us. 
for like hours, got harassed by somebody on the side of the road. I saw a rat for the first time. Um, oh. Arturo swore he grabbed a fun size bag of chips and it was in his mouth. And I told him that he was making that up and he swore. So who really knows? Honestly, jury's still out on that. Um, and yeah, survived uh, basically everything about the trip. And uh, we're here today. So that's a synopsis. Glad to have you. Thank you. Um, okay, so today on the show, we have Kat Dunn. You guys might know her from Big Brother 21. Ooh. I realized we didn't like say, who are you and what do you do? Because we like <laughs> got right into it. Um, she truly, I'm not just saying this. I feel like people always say this kind of stuff, but she truly was my favorite on that season. If you guys are Big Brother fans, uh, season 21 was not ideal, no. to say the least. Um, it got a lot of was backlash. That no, that was 20. Okay. Just sure. Um, it got a lot of backlash. Um, there were other people I liked on the show. Don't get me wrong. Like there was Nicole mm-hmm. and then there was Cliff mm-hmm. and what, it, what was, it doesn't matter. I liked other people, but Kat was truly the comedy, like comedic <laughs> relief. And she was just the best. Um, and she has a podcast called Conspire Away. And, and also that's just who she really is so she wasn't even playing a part which is the thing that you can appreciate most about it that's why I liked her so much yeah I'm like you're so authentic you can, t- you can tell she was being just yeah. herself and that was the bummer part with her season is no one else was or what I think maybe is more of a bummer is they were being themselves and a lot of them were just really oh, no. mean that's what I meant oh that yeah they they weren't like being nice to her yeah which yeah. you know it is what it is go back and watch it um she's really cool very self-aware um very positive which is mm-hmm. always really nice to be around and we just had a lot of fun talking to her so we hope you guys enjoy today's show yeah all right so let's get into it i'm wondering what we're i'm wondering what we're gonna talk about because i feel like i haven't really gotten into, into like any shenanigans recently so i'm like <laughs> i'm like what are we're we- not gonna like grill you like so it said here on a magazine so that- we've been on all the gossip columns yeah. lately um <laughs> no not at all um i actually was telling her so obviously see i guess we can just get into it okay yeah, yeah. yay we're getting into it Ta-da. um <laughs> but um obviously like season 21 of big brother was like an interesting experience yeah but to say the least to say the least um you were my favorite I'm not just saying that like the whole time I was like if Kat's here like we're good and when you left I was like I just don't care anymore because you were like the best part of season 21 um so we're just really excited to talk to you because we are huge big brother fans in general we're massive big brother fans the the difference about you being on your season and I've heard you speak about it before but it was like so catty and like the 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 selection of people was so interesting for that season and you were so down to earth and so I I understand where your paranoia came from (laughs) Because I would be so scared to, I mean, like you're beautiful and so people are probably intimidated by you too. And so, yeah, it's it's really hard when you're like in a house full of like beautiful people that are a lot of them the same age or around the mm-hmm. same age group. And so, oh, I can't, I can't imagine like how, I think I'm more scared of people my own age and a little bit younger than me than yeah. like people that like look normal so the most well okay, so the most humbling thing about the entire experience was you know you go in and 
it, the whole point of Big Brother is it's a social experiment. So we none of us know anyone from previous, except for, of course, me and Holly kind of like, you know, knew of each other. But um, pretty much like everyone's starting off from ground zero as far as like first impressions go. So it was really humbling to walk in and realize that I wasn't like the cool kid. Like I wasn't like I and I guess like my entire life, I've always wanted to be that per like I was always that girl that wanted to be like hang out the popular kids. And I usually would, but I was always like at the bottom of the barrel with them. But um, <laughs> but like I can relate actually. But, yeah. Me too. But then also like now that I'm an adult, you kind of are in like you don't really think about like the social hierarchy that surrounds you every day. But in Big Brother, I was like, oh my gosh! All of a sudden, it was like this group of cool kids, and I That's was what a is. loser. And I was like, why? I was, at first, I was like, how dare you think I'm a loser? But <laughs> But, um, but no, but it was really humbling uh, just realizing how much your surroundings and the people that you're with really dictate where you like your level of importance with everyone. And it's stupid, but I don't know, it was really humbling and kind of, I don't know, it was, it changed my life for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were the cool kid because in my standards, being, so. <laughs> being cool is definitely not what the cool kids were doing, in my opinion. Being cool is like you were nice and you were honest and open and you were friends with everybody. And I think that that's cool in a cheesy way. Um, but I mean, I also was homeschooled my whole life. So like, honestly, what do I know? But um, it was. Yeah, again, it was kind of just a weird it was just like a weird season. I didn't yeah. really understand it. Well, I what I found interesting is um, your interview with Cody. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous that you got to interview Cody. She's obsessed with him. I'm so obsessed with him. Yeah. When he won, I like cried. Yeah. Um, it was a lot. Him and Polly. <laughs> I love yeah, yeah I'm really I'm well, really close with Polly um yeah I, I mean Polly text all the time like we're he's one of my good friends but uh I'm not as close with Cody so but I, I will send him your love <laughs> oh thank you oh I appreciate gosh. that oh, she's gonna die um yeah seriously uh <laughs> but what I found so interesting about your guys's interview is just talking about the dynamics between his season and how even when everyone knew who was going to be voted out everyone was still so nice to them and then you were talking about your season and how it's so much more ostracizing and so can you talk about obviously your catchphrase for the season was are you conspiring against me and that was so relatable on <laughs> so many relatable. points yeah because that's if if I were in the house I can only imagine the paranoia that's going through your brain and trying to calm yourself down the whole time. Like, no, people think I'm good. Like, I'm okay. And that's, I think, where the tailspin starts to go where um, like people are in the house for too long and then they're like too caught up in their brain. So can you talk about like paranoia in the house? Well, so it was interesting because first of all, the whole like, are you just conspiring against you think that was honestly a joke i have a really yeah. I have a weird sense of humor and i thought it was hilarious because it was like Dave i Ross. thought it was funny too i <laughs> thought it was a joke like everybody being like i hated she's that. so paranoid i know i'm like she's a comedian everyone shut up <laughs> it was stupid well, so but then it kind of turned into like a, oh my gosh they really are conspiring against me but um <laughs> But no, but it really, it started off as a joke. And then, of course, when I was on the block, it was really um, kind of, I guess the best word I can use to describe it is, I guess, humbling, I guess, that um, because I was on the bottom of the barrel so early on and that that was kind of the time that everyone was like forming their alliances and I, like that was the time that everyone was forming their bonds. So I was 
immediately completely you know cast out of all the potential alliances that could have been happening but not only that but people didn't want to associate with me like i had people straight up tell me that i was bad for their game if they were going to be friends with me um so that's why my relationship with jessica malagros was so uh special to me because she was someone who she never once was acting like she was better than me or never once acted like she couldn't associate me with me because it was bad for her game. I mean, there were some times that she was like, Hey, I can't hang out with you because I'm trying to get information from this person. But she like, she was never like straight up, like, I can't be seen with you. And I thought that, you know, as I guess back then I was, I was 29 years old and I was like, man, like as like a 29 year old woman, why am I dealing with these people that say that they can't be friends with me because I'm bad for their game or bad for their reputation in the house or like, you know, it was a very like crazy experience. Just putting yourself back in like that whole high school mentality of like, you know, like I hadn't dealt with that since high school, like people saying that they couldn't be friends with me for whatever reason. So that was always, of course, like, you know, making me a little bit paranoid, but then not only that, but I think also since it was very early on, and I do have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of like maybe a quirky personality that's a little bit hard to understand. A lot of people were seeing me do things that I just usually do. And they were immediately thinking that it was because I was paranoid. Like for instance, like I, I love being by myself. I live by myself. So sometimes I like to go off and just sit in my bed by myself for a couple hours. Like for me, it's normal. I never really thought that there was anything wrong with it, anything weird about it because no one's ever told me that. But for them, it was like, oh, that's not weird. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. in normal life, but like, so, but for them, they're like, oh, she's ostracizing herself again. She's spiraling. And I was like, no, <laughs> oh, I really, I was, no, I, was I would honest, be so screwed. Yeah. Like it, but that was was just one example but other things that was like just literally me just being me and I always thought that it was a normal uh like a, a normal personality quirk or whatever they all they would just it look into 1000% so I don't know it was it was crazy it was did you find yourself things. having to um because one thing um that you've also said um is that you what you realize about going into the house is the game that you thought you were going to play pretty much everything goes out the window right when you get in and so were you like thinking you were gonna play super hard or something and then you get in the house and you're like I'm gonna be myself actually oh well kind of (laughs) so I thought I was gonna be like the Tyler Crispin of the game like I like from season 20 like I thought that I was gonna be um like you know pulling the puppet strings like kind of guiding things because uh in my career at the time you know at work I was very much like at the you know, top of the leaderboard, I was calling the shots, I was managing people, you know, whatever. So I was kind of thinking that that mentality was going to transfer over to Big Brother. And that's how I was going to be kind of, um, you know, working these alliances. But then when I when it came to find out that I wasn't in, I wasn't in the main alliance, and I wasn't even on like no one even wanted to play the game with me, I was very much a floater. Um, Luckily, I had there was a friend of mine who, when I was watching season 20, like study, she had told me, she was like, Oh, she's like, don't study Tyler's game. She was like, you need to study JC's game. Cause JC is playing the floater game, you know, where he floats from side to side, wherever the power is. So I was like, Oh, that's not my game that I play like whatever. But I did kind of like, I did kind of like pick up on his game moves that he did. Um, but luckily I did because then it came in handy when I was playing the floater game and I had to kind of resort back to what his game was in season 20. So I don't know. I mean, I see things, especially like on Reddit, people will be like, uh, and I get, you know, it's fun. Of course they love talking about like, Oh, if I was playing the game, I would have done this. Or if I was playing the game, I would do this. I'm like, no, you wouldn't like you would yeah. you think you would. And it's great to have that plan. Cause it gets you in the mindset, but 
when you go into the house and you're with all the different personalities and all the different alliances and you don't know who the alliances are, um, you very much have to just fly by the seat of your pants and just throw whatever sticks. Did you find yourself at all um, feeling like you had to, I mean, you just seemed so sincerely yourself the whole game. It never felt like you like played another persona or like tried to be someone else. But did you find yourself like having to like, oh, maybe I'm like hanging out with myself too much. Maybe I should be around people and that's not who I am. But I'll like stretch myself like to help my game. Did you find yourself like feeling like you had to be someone else that you weren't? Um, Yeah, I mean, in a way. So when I was on the block for the first like two weeks, really, um, you know, initially I'd planned to come in because I do have kind of, you know, as you said, like kind of a a little bit of a different personality and it can be off-putting to people. Um, So I did come in thinking that I was going to be very like, uh, like quiet and shy in the very beginning and hold back a lot. But then whenever I got put on the block, I was like, wait, I might be out of here in like a week. So I don't want to leave without acting, without being myself, because I feel like then I'll look back on it and be like, oh, I wish I would have done that. Or I wish I would have done that. So then I just kind of decided, you know what, I'm just going to have fun and be myself. Um, I also read uh, one of my favorite books is from Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, and the then, best yeah, book. Ugh. It's, I mean, it's truly like How to Win Big Brother. Um, oh, and I had, yep. I had read that right before I went into the house. And um, there was something that really stuck with me. And it was kind of, it was, um, if you want somebody to like if you like if you want something to, if you want somebody to do something you have to make it seem like it's their idea but also like i kind of took that as like uh, i had to make myself seem useful to other people's games so I, I would suck up to people and i would uh try to like you know like i was pretty much everyone's bitch for a while there because i knew that they wouldn't get rid of me if they knew that i was better for their game because just like that dale carnegie principle like if you want somebody to do something you have to make it their idea they have to think it's a good idea to keep you so um i'm not that used to sucking up to a lot of people um it was the night before i left or before i got actually booted um luckily i made it to day 58 so it was like day 57 and finally i knew i was leaving so i was like screw this like i'm i'm just gonna be the that I know that I am like, so I was, I mean, not that I'm a, you know, but like, I was like, like, for instance, like Nick was kind of like getting on my nerves and I snapped back at him. And then he was like, why are you so mad? And I was like, this isn't me mad. This is me. This is like the me that I've been holding back this whole time that I wasn't able to speak my mind. I wasn't able to like snap back whenever people were walking all over me. So I definitely started snapping towards the end, (laughs) but, um, but it's all a game. It's all showbiz. Yeah. yeah, which I mean, it is really unfortunate because when you go into the show, you're at the mercy of so many things. You're at the mercy of who's going to be there. It could be like your worst nightmare of people altogether. You're at the mercy of how they edit you and you could think that you're doing something and then you come home or like what happened with Mickey when he won and he was like, couldn't even focus on the fact that he won because they said something about him being racist and well, he was just like, you should have seen that coming. <laughs> because yeah. Totally, totally. I'm, he, he But it's like that. you are in a bubble. And obviously for him, it was like that whole group was just like, come on, guys, you guys are just mean. You really Feeding off of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you are at the mercy of all of these different things. And one thing I always think when I'm watching it is there's two parts. One part is it's gameplay and you're going to have to lie. I don't care how good of a person you are. If you're going into Big Brother, yeah. you have to lie. Oh, yeah. But then there's the piece of now this just got personal. They're making fun of how people look or how they talk or how they act. And that's never OK. So for you, did you ever have those moments? Well, I mean, it sounds like you kind of did where you were kind of pulled, but it's like, 
did you ever get to a spot where you were like, I want to be a decent human being and stand up for this person, but it might hurt my game, but I need to yeah. do that even though I'm playing a game. So I give, so I give Ovi a lot of props because Ovi is somebody who like, he's, he's such a good person because he really didn't let people's outside, like people's opinions sway what he thought of each individual person. And that's a very strong will, like, you know, confident person that can do that. Um, for me personally, there were a lot of times that I was easily influenced by people. For instance, uh, when everyone was talking about, about Kimmy, I absolutely fed into that and became her, like we became like mortal enemies for what, for nothing. And it was just because you kind of like find yourself. And I know it sounds bad, but because that's the conversation that everyone's having in the house, you find yourself, that's your new norm. And you start like chiming into that. You start, you know, talking about that with them. And then you start picking up on things. You're like, yeah, you're right. Like I did see her do that. Maybe you didn't, but like you, like you start convincing yourself that there is something wrong with this person. So um, that's definitely a lesson that I learned that I'm really glad that I learned. Um, but I wouldn't say that when I went to the house for the first time, that that was something that I was just, that I was very good at. Um, but I've gotten better at it since. Um, but yeah, but as I said, like Ovi was somebody who like, he never really, he was always kind of like, okay, these people are treating this person bad, you know, for no reason. I've wished that I would have been a little bit more strong-willed like he was. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so hard because that's all, you know, like perspective when, when you're in it though, I can't imagine the, the person that I would like that would actually come out because you're also so afraid of actually speaking your mind because yeah. you're like, this can get me voted out if yeah. I'm thinking differently than everyone else. So how do I like not speak to it? It's almost like in the real world. Like when I remember in high school, like girls around me making fun of someone else and I'm like I'm so against this but but you they're my friends like yeah. how do how do I tell them like that's not good to do but I love you and like yeah you know I that's that's you, so mean. that's yeah I love you but you're an awful person yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly and it's it's tough because then at the same time like um you'll and I think also viewers don't realize that whenever you know getting out of the house and even like when I was watching all stars this past season and I was watching the live feeds and I was paying attention to the conversations, even though I had been through it, it was hard for me to realize that sometimes when you hear somebody talking about another person, like for instance, like you, like I would overhear like Bailey talking about Kaser or something to somebody else. And I'm like, Bailey, what the heck? Like y'all are allies. You're working together. Like, how dare you, you know, talk about him like that. But I, but I didn't realize that she was probably talking about him. So that person that she was talking to wouldn't associate them together. So yep. it's like, it's a lot of strategic things like that, that as a viewer, you don't realize that this person's probably, there's probably a reason why they're doing that or trying to bond in that way. Um, and it's at the end of the day, like it's all, it's a game of lies and manipulation. So it's not, yeah. uh, it's, it's tough. I remember the day that I was also, the day that I was getting evicted, I remember I had told so many lies. I can't even remember the lies at that moment. They're all small, but they're all, but I was like, I have because I cannot keep up with my lies anymore. Like I literally, I, no one, I didn't even know what it was like to be told the truth at that point. Cause it was like, everyone was lying. Everyone was whatever. And I, and I didn't even know what it was like to tell the truth. It was, it was a total mind. Okay, I want to talk about um, getting out of the house. And that's kind of um, when I was watching, uh, when I do watch the live feeds, I feel like that's one thing that 
um, can often be talked about, especially mm-hmm. current or the most recent All Stars, mm-hmm. is um, when they talk about getting out of the house and how transitioning back to the real world. I think it was actually Tyler who was mm-hmm. talking about. Um, because uh, luckily him, uh, his girlfriend, Angela. His Angela. girlfriend, Angela, how him and Angela like have each other so they can like talk to each mm-hmm. other about that stuff. Um, and he was talking about like re-trusting people and like, yes. you're coming out of this bubble of like you're literally yeah. like lying to like make money. Oh my gosh. And yeah. like that's your job. And so getting back in the real world and having to trust people. So what was that like for you? Did you have experience with that? Oh my gosh. I was so socially awkward. I remember even now, like even to this day, I feel like I, it's affected me a little bit. But uh, I remember when I first got out, it was like – like simple things like going to CVS to like get like little like toiletries and like soaps and like whatever like she would stress me out because I also didn't realize that for the longest time the whole time I was in Big Brother I didn't have to make a decision for myself like kind of like based on like that everyday stuff so like going to the grocery store going to CVS stressed me out to know like I can't even explain like I it took me probably like three tries to go into a grocery store and then I would leave because I was like I can't handle this or go in like because they were buying all your groceries things like that but then also I remember my first I had a date with uh, David Barda. He was another reality show. Uh, he's another reality show personality or whatever. Um, we went on a date like the week after I got off the show and I was so awkward. Like I had to apologize. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so like, I promise I'm not usually like this. I'm usually not this awkward. Like, cause not only did I like, did my mind and like my subconscious think like, oh, he must be like trying to get information from me or like, but also just like talking to somebody else. It was the craziest I don't know. It was, I definitely needed some therapy after that. <laughs> did yeah. you, like literally, did you go to therapy? I was actually yeah, they, ask they, that. Uh, they provide therapy for you for, I don't know. If, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to give gosh. like details about it, but there is a therapist yeah. that yeah. Uh, for an amount of time we're allowed to talk to whenever yeah. we want to. So that was. Wow. Fun. Can I, and this might be too personal, but can I ask like, what were the biggest things you, you had to go through? Was, was that like the biggest thing that you had to talk to the, therapist so about it was really tough for me transitioning back into the real world because um well for a number of things first of all my very best friend who was who I spent all of my time with before leaving into the house had completely sold me out trying to say that we were like engaged or like in some like relationship kind of thing and like literally like when I say sold me out like he was like paying uh like tabloids or like big brother blogs to write about the fact that I was like this horrible person. So he literally did like a whole smear campaign against me. And it was really tough coming back because that was someone who every day that I was in the house, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to see him again. Like, I can't wait to go back to the real world. I can't wait to tell him all about this. And then I didn't have that person anymore. So that was something that was really tough for me to overcome. Um, The other thing was, was my parents, bless their hearts. They didn't really realize what big brother was about. And also not only that, but I think that there's a reason why parents should not have a 24-hour camera on their kids because they were very, when they saw me get off the show or when they saw me for the first time after the show, I know they were excited to see me, but I think mostly they were like confused. Like they had questions. Like it, it was, so it was very like feeling like I had let them down, also losing my best friend and just like. And just kind of getting back into the like, what, you know, what did people perceive of me while I was on the show? That was really tough. Um, I wish that 
the show would kind of give you a heads up before you left that before you left out into the real world kind of what the perception of your character was because I was asking them the whole time that we were you know getting ready for finale I was like I really just want to know like what I'm up against like what was my perception that I'm dealing with what are people going to think about me you know when I go out and their only answer was like well you know it kind of depends on who you ask you know everyone kind of you know it's true I get it but like it would have been nice if they were like hey like you like you talked about conspiracies a lot you were funny but at the same time people also thought that you did this you know like I wish that they would have given me a heads up because it was a culture shock yeah yeah and you don't really realize because I mean obviously you go into it so like you're signing up for something but when you get out it's like you could have been portrayed in a way where you're like if you're portrayed in a certain way on whatever it is reality tv or how people perceive you even on social media or a podcast it's like no matter what you do or what you say like even if you say no that's not me I made a mistake Mm -hmm. like imagine being filmed like I always put myself in a position you know how you're watching from your living room Mm -hmm. and you're like why are they crying so much da 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 you think all these things and then you go it's like well imagine being filmed in your worst like self what if you're having just a bad day and you want to cry or you want to yell at someone and then that's how people think you are and you're like that's not me oh okay perfect example from my season christy cried all the time i tell you what in person like no in the real world (laughs) so funny but no and no one believes it i think people probably mean now because it's been a while but in person in the real world she is the coolest chick she's so I calm, bet. cool laid back but like on on the show she was so paranoid so you know high strung crying all the time it's two completely different people it's, some that people was, can't do it yeah they're not made for that yeah you're in a pressure cooker you're literally getting brainwashed yeah. um the other thing Gosh. the other person that comes to mind is this past summer nicole franzel watching her on all stars she, she honestly she doesn't get enough credit for the game that she plays because I like Nicole okay, a lot. No, so yeah. Well, she unfollowed me, so I have a little bit of beef with her. But oh, okay, but, we don't like her anymore. No, no but I but her, <laughs> no, but I think her game, her game was great, and she would lie so much. And I found myself as I was watching, I was like, oh, she's lying again. Like, how dare she lie? Like all stuff. I had to check myself and be like, wait a second. This is a game of lies and manipulation. Why am I judging this girl for literally playing the game and lying when that's what she's supposed to be doing? So, um, no, people, they love to sit back and judge and think like, oh, like, I wouldn't do that. But like, yeah, they would. They, yeah, they, they probably would do it worse. Yeah, yeah, they they say they wouldn't. I think those are the most annoying people on Big Brother, like on the show itself, who are so hypocritical. They're like so mad at you for lying when they've, literally lied like behind your back and they're legitimately mad they're not even like pretending to be mad they're actually mad at you and I'm like you were literally just talking behind their back like why are you like that I I get so annoyed by those people like they can't they can't separate like no this is game I know just game I think that (laughs) your most (laughs) relatable moment uh was your exit interview when um, pretty much any question you got asked, you're like, 
but I don't know like what other people you're like trying to figure out like oh, what does everyone gosh. think like as I'm like leaving the house and oh, it's like I can't tell you anything and I got reamed for that because everyone was like all she cared about on her exit interview was, was how she was perceived by America and I was like yeah and you would too like imagine yeah. Yeah. imagine like millions of people just watched you and they you don't know what they think about you that you like for all you know like you don't have a job anymore you don't have like your family disowns you like I mean mine didn't luckily but I'm saying like you don't know how like what people thought and yeah. and, pe- and it goes beyond just wanting to be an influencer. It goes beyond wanting to be liked by America. Like it literally affects your personal life. So mm-hmm, yeah. I, all the people that act like I was only worried about that, you're right. I was only worried about that. <laughs> but like, they- well, and it's also it's hard to a- answer any of the questions when you're like, well, this is what I think, but I literally yeah. have no idea what was going on. I, yeah. And I feel like that's the hardest part mm-hmm. is I I would like. I, I like tried to put myself in your situation and I was like, that's literally what I would be thinking because I would be like so conscious of like, well, people were like lying behind my back. And so I probably look like a fool if I answer exactly. one way and that's, it's really a completely different way. Yeah. And so I almost don't want to answer the that's question the other at thing. all. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I already probably look like an idiot. Do I want to look like more of an idiot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like so. oh yeah me and Jess were best friends I know and, like you're <laughs> yeah. like I have no idea if she was like lying oh my gosh. back oh no, uh, that's the worst so then oh my gosh Julie asked me she was like so who do you think cast the one vote for you to stay I was like oh Jess did and she's like did she you know and I was like, <sighs> like I don't know oh, no, so I, was, I, know. <laughs> I was so mad at Jess for like from when I got evicted to when she got in the jury house and when she came like we had to like sit down and have a talk and she'd like yeah. swear to me that she voted for me to stay because I thought she lied to me <laughs> yeah um okay so I kind of want to backtrack into what we were talking about I mean we were talking about this whole time about being perceived and um so you had an interview I forget his name but it was about like the microaggressions and kind of like that everything happened on the- yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was so good oh, thank you. um but one thing I really loved um about you and like what you guys were talking about is the fact that you were just like I mean, you were so humbled, but you were also like, hey, I'm just trying to learn. Like I was, you know, viewed in a light that I didn't really know. And I didn't know I was doing this, but I wanted to learn from it. And so I would love for you to speak on that a little bit about being like, no, I'm going to hold myself accountable and I'm going to try to do the best I can, even if this situation like wasn't ideal. Yeah. Well, so I think that there's like when someone gets off Big Brother, they can either go like one of two routes. They can either go the route that they blame everything on the edit and they don't want to, they don't want to own up to anything that happened because it's all editing or the live feeds don't see everything or, you know, whatever. And they can just kind of like live in their own little world. But the way I saw it was if enough people are upset about something and granted, sometimes things are blown out of proportion a little bit, um, especially now that I've gone through an all-star season, you know, or gone through a season of watching, I kind of know how the fan base works and the, you know, every day is a new drama whatever but for the most part if people are riled up about something there's a reason why like you've offended that many people or you've rubbed that many people the wrong way so I decided that I was going to take it as a learning experience to really look at you know what I was doing why I was doing it um and try to become a better person and I think I have become a better person for it um but with that being said it is difficult because there's some people they I'm for them. I'm just a character on a show. So they, all they know about me is what they saw on the show or what they saw in the live feeds or whatever. And it's now, you know, two years later. And I feel like I've gotten better. I know I've gotten better, but I still get tweets about people like that are like, Oh, and what, like, I like, have you addressed why you said this? And I was like, 
I like, for, like, yes, I've addressed why I said that, but I've also addressed like the inner workings of my mind of why I said that. Like, I mean, sometimes people don't want to see you become a better person because it's a lot easier for them to just keep harping on you and keep bullying you and keep trying to like cancel you. Um, and sometimes like it is like people can change especially when given the opportunity that they're literally watching clips of themselves you know being recorded 24 7. yeah which that would be i've thought about that so much going on and just being like i don't know i don't know if i would want to watch that back maybe it's good i mean like you said you've like learned and grown from it but it's like that is overwhelming to be recorded all the time yeah yeah it's it's humbling for sure and i think that i got i mean i i'm not I wouldn't say that I'm embarrassed by my, by, you know, how I was on the show. I'm not necessarily embarrassed about what I said. I know that I definitely talked a lot of about people and it, sometimes it wasn't warranted and it was a bad look for me. Um, so I, you know, I've definitely like gotten better with that, but at the same time, like there's some things that you would, that people say that they don't realize that it's bad. They don't realize it's offensive because it's a microaggression. It's literally so in, ingrained inside of them. And it doesn't only have to do with, I mean, maybe it's not necessarily like against somebody for their race, but it might be against somebody for um, how they perceive their, um, you know, like how they were raised or like maybe like how they, maybe they look different than the other person. I don't know. Like there's so many things are like so ingrained within people that you don't even realize that you're saying things that are offensive until you go to Twitter and they're like, want to explain? And you're like, well, I guess I have to, (laughs) I guess I have to do some like deep digging in my, inside myself and figure Mm -hmm. out why I said that. Yeah. That's, that's so, that's good. And, and, and if people are still talking about it, don't forget, like, give yourself a little bit of grace because people might just be coming on to watching that season, you know, like it's still such a recent season. So maybe yeah. people haven't well, watched it yet. Well, so. well the, yeah, <laughs> you, know, you would think so. And yes, sometimes. But there are a lot of people on Twitter and I and I mean, I love Twitter. Twitter's one of my favorite social media apps, but there's a lot of people that they are on Twitter to like try to like get under people's skin that is no what they do every day way. and, and uh, so sometimes they'll come out which usually I just block them I block so many people on Twitter it's like it's horrible yeah. for the bare minimum but but then but within reason at first I, I if it's something that I've already addressed and like I just feel like they're like just bullying me at this point I'm like okay come on people but yeah <laughs> yeah okay that that makes more sense yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so I kind of want to touch on um, your confidence because, again, we've talked about the fact that you were like fully yourself and you wanted to be yourself, but maybe not even just in Big Brother because I know that was like such a short time in your life. Um, but just in general, like from hearing your story and like how hard you've worked to get to the places you are, um, like where do you get that confidence from to be like, no, this is me. I am not embarrassed about it. And I know I'm going to get far because of my personality and who I am. Um, and maybe just any advice for people that are feeling like they can't be like that. So, um, I, this is probably, I'm from Texas, of course, and you know, pageants are huge here. So this is probably not the most typical response you would hear from somebody when talking about how they found their confidence. However, I, um, competed in pageants from when, not as a kid, but when I was 17, I competed in my first pageant, lost (laughs) horribly, but, um, and then competed from then for the next 10 years. So it was 10 years of, you know, personal growth, personal development. What people don't see in pageants is what goes on beyond the stage 
age, like the hours that people spend working on their physical fitness, staying on top of current events, uh, practicing interviewing, you know, cause they have, of course they have to do the whole interview for the pageant. And then of course, if they're chosen as the pageant winner, then they're the spokesperson for the pageant system. I mean, it's a very niche, uh, a very niche hobby, but I can honestly say that that's where I got all my confidence. Um, because for me and my family, when whenever we were getting ready for a pageant, it was never like, oh, I have to win, or I, you know, like it was never like I have to win so I can do this or whatever. It was like to me and my parents, we were winning no matter what. Like we weren't even thinking that we were losing, we were winning. And then if I didn't win, then we would only focus on really what I did right. And then just kind of chalk it up to like, okay, well, I guess the judges weren't looking for that. Like, it was almost like every time I walked on stage, like my parents always made sure that they were celebrating the person that I was on stage at that moment and the person I was setting forward. And also there was always a big emphasis whenever I was prepping to always just be 100% myself whenever I was on stage. Um, And that is of course showing a personality. So I was always kind of known for having a big personality that always showed through on stage. And it was, and I was celebrated for that. So um, I think that pageants can be very hurtful to girls that approach it in the wrong way. And they think that it's literally just like, they're like, if I don't win, I'm not beautiful, you know, whatever. Uh, That's hurtful. But I would never approach it like that. Like I, every time I, like, I I would spend, so for pretty much 10 years, I spent my entire life, like, prepping to win. And I guess it's hard to explain because then you can think, but you never did. And I'm like, but it's not like that because it's like the the preparation for something. And like you hear Olympic athletes talk about it all the time. Like, it's not the, it's not like the actual, like, uh, it's not like the competition that is so exciting. It's the preparation for it. It's, you know, the waking up early, you know, going to bed late, uh, you know, really like challenging yourself out of your comfort zone. Like that's, what's really rewarding. So I did that for over 10 years or for, you know, a span of 10 years. So of course, like that kind of, um, I guess, that really, that really helped my confidence from within. Um, but then not only that is, uh, while I was prepping for that, I would, I had a little journal that I would write down all of the like positive things that people would say about me, (laughs) which sounds really weird, but now I sound like kind of like sociopathic, I guess. I don't know. No, not at all. But it helped. Like, you know, when you're, when you're insecure, you know, a young insecure girl and you're, uh, kind of, you're in a, an environment that you it's or it's easy to compare yourself to other people it was super helpful for me to say like one day someone said like oh wow like I really like your arms I you know I would go home and write my journal like I've been working on my arms like I've been working on my arms for this long and today someone complimented my arms like how great like I focused a lot on positive stuff so as a result I kind of live in my own fantasy land but it's great. No. I want you around like all the time. <laughs> I, I I was gonna. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. I like need to. Sit We're both in that kind of negative Nancys, so we are trying <laughs> I to. Am? Oh come oh, on. No. We. But it is. I mean, one thing I took from you. I know you want to talk. Um, is that like for me? I try not to say any doubt words. So no, like wish, hope want it's like no I will I'm going to you know and those things are really hard Um, and that's kind of what I took from you a lot is the fact that you're like not only being celebrated for your personality and who you are which sounds like you have amazing parents for enabling you to do that um, but also like you know you don't have to backtrack and say oh it's kind of weird I wrote this in my journal it's like no like that's actually so awesome because you are 
you did win. I mean, you didn't maybe win first place, but you won like this growth and this mm-hmm. positive mentality yeah. that like a lot of people don't have. And there's a lot and there's a lot of girls that competed in pageants just as long as I did, but they never approached it with that same mentality. And yeah. they're the ones that are still on Facebook talking about like, I wish I would have won. Like, I wish I would have done this different. And oh, I'm like, gosh. like, and I know it's real. It's, I know, isn't it? <laughs> but that's like yeah. everyone I still hang out with some people from my high school and they still uh, talk about like the glory days yeah and I'm oh, like those should not be your glory if that's my glory days yo, I should die yeah, well, yeah, I'll, yeah. Be, I'll be so, honest my pageant days were my glory days because it was so nice <laughs> because in what other life can you literally just like walk on stage in a fully beaded gown hair and makeup and people have to come yeah. oh yeah I was like man I was living the best life but um but yes. no, oh totally but you're not looking back and you're like gosh like that yeah. one football game like oh, we yeah, should have yeah. won that that one touchdown no, you know but, like but that's you, that's what people yeah but you see that and it's because the girls they weren't they were only approaching it with like I'm gonna get ready for this one pageant and then if I lose then I must uh-huh. be ugly I must have done something wrong uh-huh. and you know it just like it tears their confidence down but for me if I didn't win I was like they were stupid like on to the next like it yeah, like right. and but I think that society doesn't really like to celebrate women being confident like that. Uh, like it's, and that's also something that I learned in pageants. This is like one of my first, the first year that I was doing it. Um, my, whenever my uh, director noticed that whenever I would get a compliment, I would like say like if someone said that I was pretty, I'd be like, oh, me, like what? Oh, not me. Like I was like, I couldn't take a compliment. And it was true for a lot of things. And my director was finally like, Hey, if like, if stop, stop not taking these compliments. Cause it makes the person giving the compliment. It makes them feel like they're doing something wrong or like they're saying mm-hmm. something wrong. So that's you a- looking at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's staring um, at me. Cause she's like, that's you. Yeah. But, it's true. It but is it, her. But, it, but it's true. And I see that happen a lot. Even it's silly. Like on, uh, even on like social media comments or whatever, I'll like scroll through like what, like my friend's comments or something. And someone comments like, Oh, you look so pretty. And then the immediate response from that person is like, what me? Like, Oh, like this is a horrible photo. And I'm like, no, first of all, you know, it's obviously not horrible because you posted it, but like, yeah. but I think that women are so like, for whatever reason, we're supposed to deflect com- our compliments. Yeah. And- or we're supposed to give it right back. Yeah. No, you are like, I love your dress. Yeah. I love your dress too. Even uh-huh. if you're not really thinking you love that dress, yeah. it's like, we're supposed to, cause then we're not nice if we don't do that. Yeah. So it's just like, I think just, I really, a lot of confidence comes from really just like taking compliments and being able to accept it. Well, um, I think even deeper down is I want to know, like, like your parents mentality of like raising you because I I grew up in a household where if you weren't on the A team if like you weren't winning everything then why are you even doing it and like I did not have a lot of confidence because of that because I sucked at pretty much everything (laughs) and I was only allowed to like do certain things and so everything I did I sucked at and so I was I'm curious, like what what were your parents just like, hey, this is all about like whatever good comes out of it is good or, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. We can, like, we can ask him right now. I'm kidding. No. So, well, I mean, at least as far as pageants go, that was something that was all me. My parents, like they funded it. They helped me. You know, they kind of we kind of treated it as a job. So it was like if I was working 
you know, putting in the hours towards preparation, then, you know, like, of course, like they would help me with my pageant wardrobe and things like that. Um, but even before that, because again, I started when I was 17. So I was still, you know, a little bit older. Um, I was never a straight A student. I was I, I don't even remember ever making straight A's in my life. And that like includes like first grade. I mean, like, and I know that that sounds like embarrassing. Me too. Yeah, me, same with me. me too. Yeah, C's get degrees. Yeah, norm, normalize that. <laughs> but um, and then also, you know, like Seriously. when I went to Baylor, I, I mean, I, of course, I got into a great college. I would I always made good grades, but I was never like the like honor roll student. I, I'm sure my parents wished that I was, but they never made me feel like I was done that I wasn't. And mm. I never even realized that, like, I don't think had had I not seen the other kids bragging about being honor roll kids, honor roll students, I don't think I would have even realized that I, there was anything wrong with the grades that I was making or- Because um, who cares? Yeah, well, literally who a lot cares? Of, a lot of people that age, but- I know. <laughs> but my parents never once, they never thought, like, of course, like if they thought that I wasn't trying in school, then of course that's another thing. But sure. if they, and they, of course they would also provide me with the right tutoring, the right like, you know, ways to get better, but- they really were like, if you're doing your best, then that's really all that we can ask of you. It was never like, you have to be the best, best at this. You have to be the best at that. And if I wasn't to, you know, make a dance team, it wasn't anything that it, I mean, they weren't, they weren't sweating it. I mean, mm -hmm. it was kind of, they'd let me, I guess, grow and be my own person. Um, but it was never based on a right or wrong kind of scale. Mm -hmm. that's really cool yeah because I mean then that is it's like that whole idea of you know if your kids get into a good college or have good grades or are the best dancers that for some reason they're more worth it or like they're mm -hmm. more they have more worth mm -hmm. and it's like like you said of course try your best in everything you do if you're gonna do it totally mm -hmm. but at a certain point it's like dude like I love my friends because I love them not because mm -hmm. of like anything else that they do and so even like you said normalizing the fact hey it's okay if you don't get A's because that's how I felt in school and I felt like an idiot all the time but then coming out of school I'm like literally who cares because I'm gonna do what I want to do and I'm gonna be good at it because that's mm -hmm. what I want you know um but that sounds like like you guys had a really good like understanding mm -hmm, which is yeah. really cool well, but then at the same time though <laughs> I mean I'm saying all this I'm like <laughs> I'm saying how like oh like they you know they never uh made me feel less than because I was making B's or whatever or C you know whatever um I don't even think that it I don't even think that it registered with them that I was less than like I really think that they like because sometimes there's parents that they like want their kid to like you know they're like oh like she's like they like they're rooting for their kid. My parents, I really think, thought that I was the best. <laughs> like, I mean, and I know oh, that's that so cute. Wait, that's really like, sweet. Let's tell so them that cute. we think they're so sweet. <laughs> like, there was, there was one time that it was in the Big Brother house, and I had just won the veto. That like shocked everybody because I guess they thought I was an idiot. And um, I remember, I remember Tommy asked me. He was like, "Oh my gosh, do you think your parents are like surprised? Like, I bet they're so shocked." And I was like, "No, I was like, they probably assumed." So <laughs> what does Tommy think of you? He didn't, mean I know. He, so didn't, funny. he didn't mean like that. Right. It was brought up totally. a conversation. I think he was trying to be like, "Wow, like they must be so proud." Uh -huh. And I was like. I was like, they probably thought that I've been winning all the competitions like, <laughs> like this whole time. I was like, they oh, like think I I'm the best. That. So I don't know. So that's always good too. <laughs> Yeah, that's so cute. I think the coolest part um, just about everything that you were saying is um, I, and we talk about this all the time, too. Like um, well, she 
talks about how she's not like where she wants to be or she always like thought she was going to be like at her age or where she's at after putting in so oh. much work. Well, you're, and you're talking we, to the unwed 31 year old. So perfect. <laughs> I'm unwed as well. Um, and uh, I always have to remind her like, what have you learned so far? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that you can like so see in your own life, like where you are at and what you've like built yourself to become and like things that you have accomplished. Not that it even matters like what your quote unquote accomplishments are, but like you as a person, like being caring and like thinking the best of people and being a loyal person. I think it like the journey, which is like, oh, such a cringy word. I found out that's a millennial word. Really? Oh no. Then what am I supposed to say what's I, the gen z thing I no i think know. i think the journey, journey the, trail. I, the journey <laughs> uh no i think journey is fun so the other thing about me as well that i think has been super rewarding is every time that i like accomplish like a goal like that for a lot of people it is their end goal like for instance like a lot of, like i mean for some people maybe making the dallas or the uh dallas mavericks dancers that's their that's their goal in life that's the end goal but not for me like i was always thinking okay this is great but like what next? So then I was using that opportunity to kind of dabble in the sports journalism and sports broadcasting world. Cause then I was like, well, that's my next goal. Then, you know, I got, you know, certain, I got a gig on a morning show here in Dallas. I was covering the Dallas Cowboys practices. Like for a lot of people, that's an end goal, but I was like, well, how can I use that for something else? Like, and even big brother for a lot of people, that's an end goal, but it was like, it is. And I don't think that the word journey is cringy at all. Cause it all, it is all about the journey and it is all about Ch- like chasing the next opportunity um, mm-hmm. because that's really what I, that's what brings me happiness in life. I mean, yeah. it's sad to just kind of like, I don't know, like I hate whenever I just have to like sit there and uh, I mean, you know, during quarantine, we were all going through it. It was kind of like there was no longer another end. There was another goal to look forward to because we're all mm-hmm. sitting in our house and it did kind of take a toll on my mental health a little bit because I wasn't having, I wasn't chasing that next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think that that brings a lot of happiness too. just always have goal setting, goal setting, goal attaining yeah. and all of mm-hmm. that. Cause there really shouldn't ever be an end goal. Yeah. Like, you know, you should always be going to the next thing because then, like you said, if you hit your end goal, that's when people spiral because then yeah. they're like, Oh, I just did everything I was supposed to do in my whole life, and I'm 28. Yeah. Or they yeah. get like, what it's do like, I do who now? Am I? Or they get like, complacent. What am I, yeah. And it's yeah. like say, say yeah, it's like an athlete sure. at like the top of their craft, and like they're the best, but they're they already reached that. So like, what now? Then there's the other people that are coming up, and then they're going to be better than them because they're thirsty, they're hungry, and they're going to eventually beat them out because they're not complacent. Oh, that's totally something I'm going to have to talk about in therapy. Like, (laughs) like being so worried about like peaking and then like, oh gosh, this is so much deeper than it actually is. Speaking of, I mean, speaking of like, uh, we brought up pageants. I remember when I was, uh, cause I, when I first started out, I was making top five every year I was competing. I was hot. I was, well, first time, but then like, but then when I got like my group, (laughs) I was like in top five, like you could not beat me. Like I was, people knew I was going to be in the top, whatever. Um, then I started getting complacent. So I started dropping out of the top five. Mm. But I remember people on the, because we had kind of, it wasn't Reddit, but it was a similar board. And I remember I was like 21 years old or something, or maybe I was 20. Like I couldn't even drink yet. And someone was like, well, like Catherine obviously peaked. Like, you know, like Catherine already peaked in life. And I'm like, and, and back then I was like, oh my gosh, what if they're right? But now I'm like, man, I was, I couldn't even drink alcohol yet. And they were over there. <laughs> yeah. oh, I had it like how I, how I already peaked. And, um, I don't know. I mean, it is, I think that that is a lot of people 
a lot of people think about that, but you should not worry about whether or not you've peaked because the best is always to come as long as you're just looking for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I hope I, I hope That's I haven't fun. peaked already because I'd be <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> Um, Okay, so as we near the end, I I just have like one more kind of thing I want to talk to you about. Um, And that is, um, which again, we've kind of just been talking about this, but um, like working hard and doing the best you can no matter what, because I remember you were talking about trying to become the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader Mm -hmm. and how even though you didn't get to that spot, how when you were working hard for it, you would like go and learn how like the Jumbotron worked or something or how you would always go talk to people and ask questions Mm -hmm. and like learn. And I think so many people don't even realize that what they learn is going to take them to the next spot even if the next spot isn't what they think it is and um I think that a lot because I was a manager of a coffee shop and I'm like ugh, wasted time I use things that I did there every single day because of the stuff you learn so um yeah I would love for you to talk like a little bit about that well so it was uh um so it was actually so that speaking of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, all that. So, uh, what had actually happened, which speaking of journeys was I grew up in Dallas, Texas. So of course you're taught to think that the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders are the epitome of success. Like those girls are the most beautiful. They all have full-time jobs. They can do it all. There's some that are mothers and they're still dancing and you see them at the games. You know, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. So I grew up idolizing these girls. Um, and that really kind of shaped who I was in life. Cause I always was like, I'm going to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Like I was taking dance classes and I was like, I'm going to be it. So actually, even before I did pageants, I went and I tried out for Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders right out of high school, 18 years old, um, made it all the way to training camp, which is the farthest uh, step in the audition process before they announced the team. So basically, I was like oh. seven spots away from making the team, which is 18 year old. It was crazy. Like, huge. I, I never yeah. thought that I was going to make it that far. And that was that was truly the first time in my life that I had worked really hard for something and gotten rewarded for it. And because it wasn't my, because I, my mentality wasn't like, I have to make the team or I fail. I was like, just happy to like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I really like passing every single level of the audition process? And now I'm like at practice with these girls that I've idolized my entire life. You know, it was, uh, it was crazy. So, um, but I, of course I ended up getting cut from the team. Um, then I went to college at Baylor and I always thought, I always knew that I was going to when I graduated from college, I was going to go audition for the Dallas Cowboys again. I was going to make a team and you know, whatever. So the whole time, so that's actually the reason why I started doing pageants was because the Miss America system has talent. And I knew that that was a way that I could practice my dance, my dancing, my solo uh, routines, things like that while I was in college. Cause there's really not a lot of like dance studios that you can go take while you're in college. Um, so again, like I was always like, kind of like chasing that dream Uh, But not only like the dream, like it was like, it's one thing to chase a dream. If you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to be an Alice Coverage cheerleader. It's a little pathetic because you're not doing anything about it. But I was actually like putting in the work. I was like, you know, always like thinking about it. And it kept me on the right track because they are fantastic role models. Um, Then, of course, I... uh, tried out again after college, didn't make it, uh, then decided to go try out for the Dallas Mavericks dancers, which is the NBA team here in Dallas, um, made that and danced for three years. Um, so it was kind of like, I like it, that it's a perfect example of like having that, like 
the goal that you're chasing, sometimes you don't get that goal, but like the, where it lands you on the way is way better than like even the end goal. Cause how, so like what would have happened had I, had I made the team when I was 18 years old, you know, fresh 18 year old, like hanging out with these girls, these like, you know, that are going to invited all these hot parties, you know, table service, you know, whatever, like that probably would have skewed me a little bit. Like I probably would have not been the same person I am today. Plus I would have already, I would have accomplished that goal at such an early age. So um, I think like the, like the act of me pursuing that, and then that led into me dancing for the Dallas Mavericks for three years. That introduced me to my 10 year pageant career. Um, and then, I mean, and obviously are, I think that all of those things about me is what made me so attractive to the casting for Big Brother. Cause they, you know, saw the person mm -hmm. that they had shaped me to be. I was just gonna say that. So, mm -hmm. um, so it is like, I think it's important uh, that like sometimes you might not get your goal that you thought was the most important thing, but what ends up happening is something way better um, than you can even imagine. Mm -hmm. Oof, that was beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. And I think it, it's also um, about taking every opportunity and not mm -hmm. just being like, like if you wouldn't have taken that because you're like, no, I just want to do this. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, taking every opportunity and is so important. even just like you could have just given up after yeah. like not making the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And it's like, OK, well, what am I what am I going to do? Like, I'm just going to go work. And it's like, no. OK, well, I mean, I have all the training. Yeah. Why don't I just like go ahead? Wait, isn't that the team that Mark Cuban owns? Uh -huh. Did you get to meet him? Uh, yeah, I've met him a couple times. <gasps> cool. <laughs> I also love him. Oh, really? He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'll put him in Just word. Cody and Mark just Cuban. <laughs> like, it's like, so, so random. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great, uh, he's a great so cool. um, owner. So we were, we're lucky awesome. to have him. That's really cool. Um, okay. Is there anything else before we get to our last question? No. Okay. Let's get um, so we always like to ask our guests what their silver lining is. So something good that came from something bad or challenging, and it can be now or it can be in the past. Um, so I don't know if there's like anything that comes to mind for to you. Think. I mean, I feel like the whole answer that I just gave was kind of like a silver lining kind of thing, but I'm trying to think yeah. of... To be honest, that that's actually like super relatable. Like I'm like I'm a mom and I'm married and I feel like everything you're saying, like as far as like pursuing your dreams, mm -hmm. like like just keep going. Like you might not be where you want to be right now. Like I feel like everything that you were saying is actually very relatable to anyone yeah i was trying to think of something with uh quarantine except for then i was like wait i was like there's no silver lining quarantine. <laughs> you're like oh whoops well at least you live in texas i think things are a little more lax oh, yeah, there things, than things, here things are, things are more open here yeah well this was so fun thank you so much um you want to just tell our audience where they can find you and your podcast oh, and yeah. everything um, you can find me on Instagram at Kat Dunn, also on TikTok, which I'm reviving Good on. job, girl. <laughs> okay, yes. Also at Kat Dunn. Um, and then my podcast is Conspire Away Bitches. Perfect. And, and your Twitter? Oh, and my Twitter. Oh, hello. I have a, <laughs> I have a whole read-off of social media. <laughs> so uh, Twitter, it's a little bit different than TikTok and Instagram. Twitter is It's Catherine Dunn. So at okay. that sign, I-T-S, Catherine Dunn. Perfect. Great. I'll link them all in the show notes mm -hmm. so everybody can see them. So thank you for taking the time to do this. This was so fun. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, Shakers. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we had so much fun with Kat. Like always, I mean, picking her brain, brain about Big Brother was just 
literally what our dreams are made of. Um, and just hearing her thoughts on working hard and being positive. Um, it's just so great to be around those types of people. I just literally wanted to hang out with her. Um, like she mentioned, you can find her everywhere at Kat Dunn. Um, and I'm going to link everything in the show notes below. Um, and then you can also find her on podcast at um, Conspire Away podcast. Uh, super fun. She does a lot of Big Brother recaps, um, but she's starting to do other stuff now that we're like in the off season of Big Brother. So definitely check that out. Um, if you haven't yet, you can follow us at the Salt and Pepper podcast on Instagram and you can follow us personally at Olivia Crin and at it's Lisa Brosser. Um, you can also join our Facebook group, the Salt and Pepper podcast insiders there. We just chat more about all the things and we're just there to hang out with you guys. Um, if you haven't yet, if you could subscribe, rate and review, honestly, it means the world to us. Like you can just tell us what's your favorite episode, um, what you like about the show, or maybe like some things you want changed. We are super open to hearing everything and we just want to know that you guys are listening. So again, if you haven't yet, it just takes a couple seconds to just subscribe, hit those five stars, of course. Um, and yeah, so thank you so much for listening and we will shake it up with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday on the saltandpepperpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday. I'm all shook up.